3, E had just been introduced, remarked with the best of intentions, but rather unfortunately, that's the new waltz, my sister was raving about it, I think it's pretty bad, I expect she danced it with somebody rather nice, in former times, when royalties were more important, a lady at a court ball was intensely gratified when a prince selected her as a partner, she was almost overwhelmed with pride when he danced a second measure with her, oh, she gushed, as she reposed blissfully in his arms, your highness does me too great honor, the prince answered coldly, but remember madam, merely, my physician has directed me to perspire, concealment the widow was deep in suds over the family wash, when she saw her pastor coming up the path to the door, she gave directions to her young son to answer the bell, and to tell the clergyman that his mother had just gone down the street on an errand, since the single ground floor room of the cottage offered no better hiding place against observation from the door, she crouched behind a clothes horse hung with drying garments, when the boy had opened the door to the minister, and had duly delivered the message concerning his mother's absence, the reverend gentleman cast a sharp look toward the screen of drying clothes, and addressed the boy thus, well, my lad, just tell your mother I called, and you might say to her that the next time she goes down the street, she should take her feet along, conceit, I suppose I must admit that I do have my faults, the husband remarked in a tone that was far from humble, yes, the wife snapped, and in your opinion your faults are better than other folks' virtues, conscience the child had been greatly impressed by her first experience in Sunday school, she pressed her hands to her breast, and said solemnly to her sister, two years older, when you hear something white here, it is conscience whispering to you, it's no such thing, the sister jeered, that's just wind on your tummy, Constancy his companion bent over the dying man, to catch the last faintly whispered words, the utterance came with pitiful feebleness, yet with sufficient clearness, I am dying yes, go to Fanny, tell her I died with her name on my lips, that I loved her her alone always, and Jenny tell Jenny the same thing, conversion a zealous church member in a Kentucky village made an earnest effort to convert a particularly vicious old mountaineer named Jim, who was locally notorious for his godlessness, but the old man was hard-headed and stubborn, firmly rooted in his evil courses, so that he resisted the pious efforts in his behalf. Jim, the exhorter questioned sadly at last, ain't you teched by the story of the Lord what died to save your soul? Humph, Jim retorted contemptuously, Ere ye ain't and do tell me the Lord died to save me, when he ain't never seed me, nor knowed me. Jim, the missionary explained with fervor, it was a darn sight easier for the Lord to die for ye just because he never seed ye than if he knowed ye as well as we alls do. Cookery the housewife gave the tramp a large piece of pie on condition that he should saw some wood. The tramp retired to the woodshed, but presently he reappeared at the back door of the house with the piece of pie still intact save for one mouthful getting from the end. Madam, he said respectfully to the wondering woman, if it's all the same to you, I'll eat the wood, and saw the pie. Courtesy the witness was obviously a rustic and quite new to the ways of a courtroom. So, the judge directed him, speak to the jury. Sir the men sitting behind you on the benches, the witness turned, bowed clumsily and said, Good morning, gentlemen. Cowardice the old farmer and his wife visited the menagerie, when they halted before the hippopotamus cage. He remarked admiringly, Darn cool is fish, ain't it? Ma, that ain't a fish, the wife announced. That's a reptile. It was thus that the argument began. It progressed to a point of such violence that the old lady began belaboring the husband with her umbrella. The old man dodged and ran, 
with the wife in pursuit. The trainer had just opened the door of the lion's cage, and the farmer popped in. He crowded in behind the largest lion and peered over its shoulder fearfully at his wife, who, on the other side of the bars, shook her umbrella furiously. Coward! She shouted. Coward! Curiosity the colored man, passing through the market, saw a turtle for the first time, and surveyed it with great interest. The creature's head was withdrawn, but as the investigator fumbled about the shell, it shot forward and nipped his finger. With a howl of pain he stuck his finger in his mouth, and sucked it. What's the matter? The fishmonger asked with a grin. Nothing just nothing at all. The colored man answered thickly. I was only wondering whether I had been bit or stung. Damages the child came to his mother in tears. Oh, mamma, he confessed. I broke a tile in the hearth. Never mind, dear, the mother consoled. But however did you come to do it? I was pounding it with father's watch. Danger one foot in the grave, and the other slipping. Dad certainty on Tuesday. A colored maid asked her mistress for permission to be absent on the coming Friday. She explained that she wished to attend the funeral of her fiancé. The mistress gave the required permission sympathetically. But you're not wearing mourning, Jenny, she remarked. Oh, Mumber man, the girl replied. You see, man, he ain't dead yet. The hanging ain't till Friday. Dad men's shoes when a certain officer of the governor's staff died. There were many applicants for the post, and some were indecently impatient. While the dead colonel was awaiting burial, one aspirant buttonholed the governor, asking, would you object to my taking the place of the colonel? Not at all, the governor replied tartly. See the undertaker, deafness in the smoking room of a theater. Between the acts, an amiable young man addressed an elderly gentleman who was seated beside him. The show is very good, don't you think? The old gentleman nodded approvingly, as he replied, me. I always take the surface cars. Them elevated in subway stairs catches my breath. I said the show was a good one, exclaimed the young man raising his voice. Again, the elderly person nodded agreeably. They jump about a good deal, was his comment, but they're on the ground, which the others ain't. Now, the young man shouted, you're a little deaf, ain't you? At last the other understood. Yes, sir, he announced proudly. I'm as deaf as a post. He chuckled contentedly. Some folks thinks as that's a terrible affliction, but I don't. I can't always hear what I'm saying myself and that's interesting enough for me. An excellent old gentleman grew hard of hearing, and was beset with apprehension lest he become totally deaf. One day, as he rested on a park bench, another elderly citizen seated himself alongside. The apprehensive old gentleman saw that the newcomer was talking rapidly, but his ears caught no faintest sound of the other's voice. He listened intently in vain. He cupped a hand to his ear, but there was only silence. At last, in despair, he spoke his thought aloud, it's come at last, I know you've been talking all this while, but I haven't heard a single word, the answer, given with a grin, was explicit and satisfying to the worried deaf man, I ain't been talking just a chewin, dedication the visitor to the poet's wife expressed her surprise that the man of genius had failed to dedicate any one of his volumes to the said wife, whereupon, said wife became flustered, and declared tartly, I never thought of that, as soon as you are gone, I'll look through all his books, and if that's so, I never will forgive him. Definition the schoolboy, after profound thought, wrote this definition of the word, spine, at his teacher's request. A spine is a long, limber bone. Your head sets on one end and you set on the other. Degrees in degradation fill me.
the artist, when once down on his luck in Australia, took a job as waiter in a very low-class restaurant, an acquaintance came into the place to dine, and was aghast when he discovered the artist in his waiter, my God, he whispered, to find you in such a place as this, Phil May smiled, as he retorted, oh, but, you see, I don't eat here, Delay a woman in the mountains of Tennessee was seated in the doorway of the cabin, busily eating some pig's feet. A neighbor hurried up to tell of how her husband had become engaged in a saloon brawl and had been shot to death. The widow continued munching on a pig's foot in silence while she listened to the harrowing news. As the narrator paused, she spoke thickly from her crowded mouth, Just wait till I finish this here pig's trotter, and you'll hear some hollering as is hollering. Devil some wasps built their nests during the week in a Scotch clergyman's best breeches. On the Sabbath as he warmed up to his preaching, the wasps, too, warmed up, with the result that presently the minister was leaping about like a jack-in-the-box, and slapping his lower anatomy with great vigor, to the amazement of the congregation. Become, brethren, he shouted, the word of God is in my mouth, but the duck single quote l single quote ass in my breeches, diet the young lady who was something of a food fatist, was on a visit to a coast fishing village. She questioned her host as to the general diet of the natives, and was told that they subsisted almost entirely on fish. The girl protested, but fish is a brain food, and these folks are really the most unintelligent looking that I ever saw. Mamma so, the host agreed, and just think what they'd look like if they didn't eat fish. Digestion in an English school. The examiner asked one of the children to name the products of the Indian Empire. The child was well prepared, but very nervous. Please, sir. The answer ran. India produces curries and pepper and rice and citron and chutney and and. There was a long pause. Then, as the first child remained silent, a little girl raised her hand. The examiner nodded. Yes, you may name any other products of India. Please, sir. The child announced proudly. India gestion. Diplomacy, now, let me see, the impecunious man demanded as he buttonholed in acquaintance, do I owe you anything, not a penny, my dear sir, was the genial reply, you are going about paying your little debts, remember I'm going about to see if I've overlooked anybody, lend me ten till Saturday, Ted had a habit of dropping in at the house next door on baking day, for the woman of that house had a deft way in the making of cookies and Ted had no hesitation in enjoying her hospitality, even to the extent of asking for cookies if they were not promptly forthcoming. When the boy's father learned of this, he gave Ted a lecture and a strict order never to ask for cookies at the neighbor's kitchen. So, when a few days later the father saw his son munching a cookie as he came away from the next house, he spoke sternly, Have you been begging cookies again? Oh, no, I didn't beg any, Ted answered cheerfully. I just said, this house smells as if it was full of cookies, but what's that to me? Sometimes the use of a diplomatic method defeats its own purpose, as in the case of the old fellow who was enthusiastic in praise of the busy lawyer from whose office he had just come, after a purely social call, that feller, for a busy man, he declared earnestly, is one of the pleasantest chaps I ever did meet, why, I dropped in on him just to pass the time o' day this morning and I hadn't been chatting with him more in five minutes before he told me three times to come and see him again. The lady of uncertain age simpered at the gentleman of about the same age who had offered her his seat in the car. Why should you be so kind to me? She gurgled. My dear madam, because I myself had a mother and a wife and a daughter. Diplomacy is shown inversely by the remark of the professor to the lady in the story.
At a reception the woman chatted for some time with the distinguished man of learning, and displayed such intelligence that one of the listeners complimented her. Oh, really? She said with a smile. I've just been concealing my ignorance. The professor spoke gallantly. Not at all. Not at all. My dear madam. Quite the contrary. I do assure you. There we are more particular nowadays about cleanliness than were those of a past generation. Charles Lamb, during a whist game, remarked to his partner, Martin, if dirt were trumps, what a hand you'd have. The French aristocrats were not always conspicuously careful in their personal habits. A visitor to a Parisian grande dame remarked to her hostess, but how dirty your hands are. The great lady regarded her hands doubtfully, as she replied, oh, do you think so? Why? You ought to see my feet. Discipline Jimmy found much to criticize in his small sister. He felt forced to remonstrate with his mother. Don't you want Jenny to be a good wife like you when she grows up? He demanded. His mother nodded assent. Then you better get busy. Ma, you make me give in to her all the time cause I'm bigger and she island you're smaller and pawn. But when he comes in you bring him his slippers. And hand him the paper. Jimmy yanked his go-kart from baby Jenny and disregarded her a wail of anger as he continued, got to despline her, or she'll make an awful wife. Discretion the kindly and inquisitive old gentleman was interested in the messenger boy who sat on the steps of a house, and toyed delicately with a sandwich taken from its wrapper, with the top piece of bread carefully removed. The boy picked out and ate a few small pieces of the chicken. The puzzled observer questioned the lad, Now, Sonny, why don't you eat your sandwich right down? Instead of fessing with it like that, the answer was explicit, dasn't, taint mine. Divorce the court was listening to the testimony of the wife who sought a divorce. Tell me explicitly, the judge directed the woman, what fault you have to find with your husband. And the wife was explicit, he is a liar, a brute, a thief and a brainless fool. Toot, toot, the judge remonstrated. I suspect you would find difficulty in proving all your assertions. Prove it, was the retort. Why, everybody knows it, if you knew it, his honor demanded sarcastically, why did you marry him, I didn't know it before I married him, the husband interrupted angrily, yes, she did, too, he shouted, she did so, doctor is a victim of chronic bronchitis called on a well-known physician to be examined, the doctor, after careful questioning, assured the patient that the ailment would respond readily to treatment, you're so sure, the sufferer inquired, I suppose you must have had a great deal of experience with this disease. The physician smiled wisely, and answered in a most confidential manner, Why, my dear sir, I've had bronchitis myself for more than fifteen years. A well-to-do colored man suffered a serious illness, and showed no signs of improvement under treatment by a physician of his own race. So, presently, he dismissed this doctor and summoned a white man. The new physician made a careful examination of the patient, and then asked, did that other doctor take your temperature? The sick man shook his head doubtfully. I dunno. Shh. He declared. I certainly dunno. All I've missed so far is my watch. A member of the faculty in a London medical college was appointed an honorary physician to the king. He proudly wrote a notice. On the blackboard in his classroom, Professor Jennings informs his students that he has been appointed honorary physician to his majesty, King George. When he returned to the classroom in the afternoon he found written below his notice this line, God save the king. The Chinaman expressed his gratitude to that mighty physician singly, as follows, Me velly sick man, me get Dr. Yuan Sin, to key him medicine, velly more sick, 
Me get Dr. Hangshi. Tiki him medicine. Velly bad think me go by. Me call e Dr. Kai Kun. Him busy no can come. Me get well. The instructor in the medical college exhibited a diagram. The subject here limps. He explained. Because one leg is shorter than the other. He addressed one of the students. Now, Mr. Sneed, what would you do in such a case? Young Sneed pondered earnestly and replied with conviction. I fancy, sir, that I should limp. Too. The physician turned from the telephone to his wife. I must hurry to Mrs. Jones. Boy, he's sick. Is it serious? Yes. I don't know what's the matter with him. But she has a book on what to do before the doctor comes. So I must hurry. Whatever it island she mustn't do it. Doctrine in a former generation. When elaborate doctrines were deemed more important by Christian clergymen than they are today. They were prone to apply every utterance of the Bible to the demonstration of their own particular tenets. For example. One distinguished minister announced his text and introduced his sermon as follows. So. Mephiboseth dwelt in Jerusalem. For he did eat at the king's table. And he was lame on both his feet. My brethren. We are here taught the doctrine of human depravity. Mephiboseth was lame. Also the doctrine of total depravity he was lame on both his feet. Also the doctrine of justification for he dwelt in Jerusalem. Fourth. The doctrine of adoption he did eat at the king's table. Fifth. The doctrine of the perseverance of the saints for we read that he did eat at the king's table continually. Documentary evidence during the worst of the spy scare period in London a man was brought into the police station who declared indignantly that he was a well-known American citizen, but his captor denounced him as a German, and offered as proof the hotel register, which he had brought along. He went to the signature of the accused, it read, V. Gates. Dogs the tramp was sitting with his back to a hedge by the wayside, munching at some scraps wrapped in a newspaper. A lady, out walking with her pet Pomeranian, strolled past. The little dog ran to the tramp, and tried to muzzle the food. The tramp smiled expansively on the lady. Shall I throw the legal dog a bit, Mom? He asked. The lady was gratified by this appearance of kindly interest in her pet, and murmured in assent. The tramp caught the dog by the nape of the neck and tossed it over the hedge, remarking, and if he comes back, Mom, I might throw him a bit more. Many a great man has been given credit as originator of this cynical sentiment. The more I see of men, the more I respect dogs. The fox terrier regarded with curious interest the knot tied in the tail of the dachshund. What's the big idea? He inquired. That. The dachshund answered. Is a knot my wife tied to make me remember an errand? The fox terrier wagged his stump of tail thoughtfully. That. He remarked at last. Must be the reason I am so forgetful. During the siege of Paris in the Franco-German War. When everybody was starving. One aristocratic family had their pet dog served for dinner. The master of the house. When the meal was ended, surveyed the platter through tear-dimmed eyes, and spoke sadly, how Fido would have enjoyed these bones. The young clergyman during a parochial call noticed that the little daughter of the hostess was busy with her slate while eyeing him closely from time to time. And what are you doing, Clara? He asked, with his most engaging smile. I'm drawing a picture of you, was the answer. The clerical visitor sat very still to facilitate the work of the artist, but, presently, Clara shook her head in discouragement. I don't like it much, she confessed. I guess I'll put a tail on it, and call it a dog. The meditative Hollander delivered a monologue to his dog, UVA's only a dog, but I wish IVA's you. Then you go your bed in you should turn round three times and lie down, then I go to bed in. I have to lock up the place. 
and bind up the clock, and put out the cat, and undress myself, and my wife bakes up and scolds, and then the baby bakes and cries and I have to help him the house around, and then maybe I get myself to bed in time to get up again, when you get up you should stretch yourself, dig your neck a little, and you vase up, I have to light the fire, put on the kettle, scrap some hit my wife, and get myself breakfast, you be lays round all day and have plenty of fun, I have to work all day and have plenty of trouble, when you die, you is dead, when I die, I have to go somewhere again, some persons are born to have honor thrust upon them, and such is obviously the case of the actor named in the story, the colored maid of an actress took out for exercise her mistress's dog, a splendid Saint Bernard, a passerby admired the animal, and inquired as to the breed, the maid said, I don't exactly know myself, but I done hear my miss I say he am a full blood Sam Bernard, domestic quarrels after a trip abroad, a lady inquired of her colored washerwoman, Lucy, do you and your husband quarrel now the same as you used to, Mumber indeed, ma'am, was the reply, that is good, I'm sure you are very glad of it, aren't you, Ashesley Island, what caused you to stop quarreling, Lucy, the lady asked, the explanation was simple and sufficient, he died, the newly married pair quarreled seriously, so that the wife in a passion finally declared, I'm going home to my mother, the husband maintained his calm in the face of this calamity, and drew out his pocketbook, here, he said, counting out some bills, is the money for your railroad fare, the wife took it, and counted it in her turn, then she faced her husband scornfully, but that isn't enough for a return ticket, the good wife, after she and her husband had retired for the night, discoursed for a long time with much eloquence, when she was interrupted by a snore from her spouse, she thumped the sleeper into a wakefulness, and then remarked, John, do you know what I think of a man who will go to sleep while his own wife is a-talking to him, well, now, I believe as how I do, Martha, was the drowsily uttered response, but don't let that stop you, go right ahead, and get it off your mind, Doubt small Jimmy discussed with his chief crony the minister's sermon which had dealt with the sheep and the goats. Me, he concluded, I don't know which I am. Mother calls me her lamb, and father calls me kid. Ability to look on two sides of a question is usually a virtue, but it may degenerate into a vice. Thus, a visitor found his bachelor friend glumly studying an evening waistcoat. When inquiry was made, this explanation was forthcoming, it's quite too soiled to wear, but really, it's not dirty enough to go to the laundry. I can't make up my mind just what I should do about it. Drama the new play was a failure. After the first act, many left the theater, at the end of the second, most of the others started out. A cynical critic as he rose from his aisle seat raised a restraining hand. Wait! He commanded loudly. Women and children first! Dreams the group of dwellers at the seaside was discussing the subject of dreams and their significance. During a pause, one of the party turned to a little girl who had sat listening intently, and asked, Do you believe that dreams come true? Of course, they do. The child replied firmly, Last night I dreamed that I went paddling and I had dress. Oh, have you heard? Mrs. Blonde died today while trying on a new dress. How sad. What was it trimmed with? The son of the house had been reading of an escaped lunatic. How do they catch lunatics? He asked. The father who had just paid a number of bills, waxed sarcastic, with enormous straw hats, with little bits of ones, with silks and laces and feathers and jewelry, and so on and so on, I recall now, 
The mother spoke up. I used to wear things of that sort until I married you. Drink it was nine o'clock in the morning, but this particular passenger on the platform of the trolley car still wore a much crumpled evening suit. As the car swung swiftly around a curve this riotous liver was jolted off, and fell heavily on the cobblestones. The car stopped, and the conductor, running back, helped the unfortunate man to scramble to his feet. The babyless passenger was severely shaken, but very dignified. Collision? He demanded. Mumber, the conductor answered. Off the track? Was the second inquiry. Mumber, said the conductor again. Well, was the indignant rejoinder. If I'd known that, I wouldn't have got off. The very convivial gentleman left his club happy, but somewhat dazed. On his homeward journey, made tackingly, he ran against the vertical iron rods that formed a circle of protection for the trunk of a tree growing by the curb. He made a tour around the barrier four times carefully holding to a one rod until he had a firm grasp on the next. Then, at last, he halted and leaned despairingly against the rock to which he held, and called aloud for succor, help, help, somebody let me out. The highly inebriated individual halted before a solitary tree, and regarded it as intently as he could, with the result that he saw to trees. His attempt to pass between these resulted in a near concussion of the brain. He reeled back but presently sighted carefully, and tried again, with the like result, when this had happened a half dozen times, the unhappy man lifted up his voice and wept, lost lost, he sobbed, hopelessly lost in an impenetrable forest, the proprietor of the general store at the crossroads had his place overrun by rats, and the damage was such that he offered a hundred dollars reward to anyone who would rid him of the pests, a disreputable appearing person turned up one morning, and announced that he was a professional rat killer. Get to a work, the storekeeper urged. I must have a pound of cheese, the killer declared. When this had been provided, now give me a quart of whiskey. Equipped with the whiskey, the professional spoke briskly. Now show me the cellar. An hour elapsed, and then the rat catcher galloped up the cellar stairs and leaked into the store. His face was red, the eyes glaring, and he shook his fists in defiance of the world at large. As he jumped high in air and shouted, Whoopee, I'm ready, bring on your rats. Two southern gentlemen, who were of very convivial habits, chanced to meet on the street at nine o'clock in the morning after an evening's revel together. The major addressed the colonel with decorous solemnity, Colonel, how do you feel? Sha, the colonel left nothing doubtful in the nature of his reply, Major, he declared tartly, I feel like thunder, Sha, as any southern gentleman should, Sha, at this hour of the morning. The old toper was asked if he had ever met a certain gentleman, also notorious for his babyless habits. Know him, was the reply. I should say I do. Why, I got him so drunk one night it took three hotel porters to put me to bed. A farmer, who indulged in sprees, was observed in his Sunday clothes throwing five bushels of corn on the ear into the pen where he kept half a dozen hogs, and he was heard to mutter, Far, blast ye, if ye are prudent. That order last ye. A mouse chanced on a pool of whiskey that was the result of a raid by prohibition enforcement agents. The mouse had had no previous acquaintance with liquor, but now, being thirsty, it took a sip of the strange fluid, and then retired into its hole to think. After some thought, it returned to the pool, and took a second sip of the whiskey. It then withdrew again to its hole, and thought. Presently, it issued and drew near the pool for the third time. Now. It took a big drink, nor did it retreat to its hole. Instead, it climbed on a soapbox, 
stood on its hind legs, bristled its whiskers, and squeaked, Now, bring on your cat. The owner of a hunting lodge in Scotland presented his gamekeeper with a fur cap, of the sort having ear flaps. When at the lodge the following year, the gentleman asked the gamekeeper how he liked the cap. The old man shook his head dolefully. I've nay worn it since the accident. What accident was that? His employer demanded. I've heard of none. Amon offered me a dram, and I heard nothing of it. The old farmer was driving home from town, after having imbibed rather freely, in descending a hill. The horse stumbled and fell, and either could not, or would not, get to its feet again. At last, the farmer spoke savagely, Dang your hide, get up far or I'll drive smack over ye. Mrs. Smith addressed her neighbor, whose husband was notoriously brutal, and she spoke with a purr that was catty, you know. My dear, my husband is so indulgent, and the other woman retorted, quite as purringly, Oh, everybody knows that. What a pity he sometimes indulges too much. In the days before prohibition, a babyless person issued from a saloon in a state of melancholy intoxication, and outside the door he inked.